trying to be an effective communicator is first and foremost with my clients. But beyond that, you know, if I have to be an effective negotiator with the other side, I have to develop a good working relationship with opposing counsel. I have to be ethical in the way that I deal with them. They have to understand, again, going back to doing what I say I'm going to do. If, you know, I ask for an extension to, to respond to some discovery that they've sent me, that, you know, offering them the same professional courtesy back, not playing games with them. That's a, another you know, real skill. And then with the court, you really got to present yourself as a professional at all times. And when you stand up and you make your appearance in court for your client, they got to know that what you're telling them is, you know, first and foremost, the truth that you're not there trying to, to BS them anyway, because these judges are savvy and they're going to see right through that. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the show. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button. We've got a great show for you today. We've got Sage Knopf. He's going to talk about the path to partnership in a law career. But what he's talking about is more than just law, effort, preparation, reliability, how to illustrate it, how to embody it, and all the different forms of law and what it takes to get there. Thank you for listening and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Sage, thank you so much for taking time, getting out of the sun in Southern California and sharing your insight on the edge of excellence today. I am so happy to be here with you today, Matt. Thanks for having me. Well, we're looking forward to it. There's a lot of people that want to be lawyers, but they don't know exactly what it means and they don't know the path to get there. So you're going to shine a light on that today. But before you do, we start the way we always start, Sage. Your favorite question, what is your definition of excellence? Oh, Matt, you know, I that's a tough one because I think there's, there's so many, you know, facets to it, but I really tried to, to give it a little bit of thought before I got on here with you today. And I think professionally for me, excellence, I could break it down to, to three different sort of concepts and that's preparation, effort, and reliability. I think those are three things that if you live your life by, by those three tenets in any profession, you know, that you, you find yourself in, you're, you're going to find success. But I think, you know, being excellent is more than just succeeding in work. It's having a, a good balance in your life. If you're a faith-driven person, you know, putting faith, uh, you know, high on your list of priorities. If you have a family, certainly putting your family first, but finding a good balance in your life. I think the most successful people, you know, to me are, are the people that manage to, to, you know, find that balance. And then I think the last thing that I would just, you know, sort of offer is, is somebody that really gives back gives back to others in their community, gives back to others, you know, that they work with. I think, you know, if, if you can really strive to, to hit on all those points, uh, to me, that's, that's excellence. All right. Well, we know you're a lawyer, but we love how you prefaced your answer with the explanation of how it won't be perfect, which you told me you would do before we got on the <laughs> recording today. But if I could sum it up here, professionally, 
got to have integrity, be reliable, do what you say when you say you're going to do it, whether you're going to be a lawyer or anything else. If you're listening right now, reliability, it's actually not that common. Do what you say, how you say you're going to do it, when you say you're going to do it. Effort, as my friend Scott says, there's always someone smarter. Don't let them beat you out with effort. And then preparation, I guess in law, you, you lose if you're not prepared. If you don't make enough time, if you haven't put the effort in, you it becomes obvious you're a bad lawyer. Same in every other profession. You throw their, in their balance, no success in business or in work can overcome failures at home. So always juggling. It's not good enough just to be great professionally. And lastly, give back. And give back can be effort. If you don't have any money, it's not making donations. That's the easy part. It's the effort, the time, the listening. Well, I love your definition of excellent, Sage. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Okay, we're going to get into what it takes to be a lawyer, what a lawyer is, what a lawyer does. But before we do, we've got to go way, way, way back to why do I think Pasadena? But that's not you. That's your spouse, huh? That is my spouse. Yeah, I I grew up uh, originally in the Bay Area. That's right. Bay Area. But then, you know, my formative sort of junior high, high school years, I was actually in North County, San Diego. Okay, so, so we're going to go to San Diego. Yeah. What was life like? Yeah. What was high school like? What were you doing? Did you know you needed to get ahead? I mean, you went to one of the best uh, schools in America. You must have done something to get into that school. What was life like? What were you doing? You know, to be perfectly honest, you know, in high school, I, I wanted to sort of blend in and, and you know, go with the crowd. I, I think where I found success in high school is that I managed, I had really good interpersonal skills that I, I think I still have today. And I managed to sort of meld in with the different social groups that you find at every high school. And I, I really had good friends that were athletes. I had good friends that were, you know, the AP nerds that read all the time. And I was part of that group. And I was also played basketball and, you know, the video production put on the performance for the for the school every every week which was you know kind of the news and the class that everyone wanted to be in you know the the cool class i guess but anyway i i do think that that was something that that kind of set me apart from others and that i i wasn't really pigeonholed into one group or another and you went the extra mile you talk about effort in your professional life if you're listening right now and you're not putting effort into things how you do one thing is how you do everything so it's not just school it's not just sports it's going the extra mile, doing the extra thing. And a lot of people do that before they head off to college. A lot of people have that on their resume. Those are life habits that prepare you to be a lawyer, a business person, a doctor, whatever it is. So you're in high school trying to blend in. Some people are trying to stand out. Some people are trying to blend in. Whatever you think you're doing, you're probably wrong in your 18-year-old assessment of it. Then you head off to college. And I think you wanted to be a lawyer before you went to college, or at least within the first year, right? You know, Matt, I in the sort of in the back of my mind, I always thought that it would be a good career for me. But I, I, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't one of those kids that knew like from an early age. Like my youngest daughter is like, I'm going to be a vet. Like she, she loves animals. That's her passion. And you know, that's whenever we say, "What do you see yourself doing?" You know, Katie, she's like, "I want to be a veterinarian. That's going to be my job." I was never that strong about being a lawyer, but in the back of my mind, I always thought it would probably be a good a good career path for me. Once I started at UC Santa Barbara, you know, I really, for the first couple of years, I didn't actually declare my major until I kind of had to, but I, I was always sort of on the path to a poli sci, which ultimately is where I landed. But I, you know, I took a lot of different classes, you know, all sort of liberal arts, history, art history, just whatever kind of interested me for the first couple of years. But so I was keeping all my options open, clicking off all the, the, the boxes to eventually declaring poli-sci as my major. 
And then once I declared, you know, I think I, I got pretty serious about figuring out what I needed to do to get into a good law school, uh, making sure that I did all the preparation, you know, for the LSAT. Once I had really sort of decided that that was the path that I was going to take, I think I got pretty serious about it my, my junior and senior year of, of, of undergrad. So high school, you're going the extra mile, you're developing interpersonal skills, you're developing communication skills. Maybe people didn't do that in high school, they would do that in college. You get to college and you're keeping your options open. You're getting the right grade so you can go to a grad school if you want. You're doing the work on the path you chose. You could have changed your path. You could have added an extra semester. You could have done something differently, but you're preparing for whatever the path is. I will say if you're listening right now and you're thinking, oh, his daughter knows what she wants to do. She may not do that. She's still in high school. Who knows what's going to happen? Maybe she will. If you think you know what you want to do, maybe you change your mind. Keep your paths open. If you don't know what you want to do, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer. I went to college with Sage at Santa Barbara and didn't become a lawyer. He didn't know he wanted to be a lawyer. Went to school with me. Same major. Became a lawyer. We both had our paths open. We were constantly looking into the future. So I think one one thing to take out of this is what's your current five-year goal? What's your current 10-year goal? It's okay to change it next week. But are you on the path? What are you doing to make sure you can achieve that goal? And so you're in, uh, uh, you went to Hastings and now, and Hastings is a great law school. I had a really good, my only spring break in college, I had a couple of days at Hastings causing problems. And now you're spending your time uh, mostly negotiating, you're a litigator. So there's, why don't we just for a second talk about different types of law and not too much detail, but you're in the business law realm. You're working with companies that have employment issues, liability issues, construction issues, contract issues, whatever. You can be in business, you can be in family. You're a litigator, which means you go and actually do the argument, which was why you need those interpersonal skills that you developed through high school and college, why you need to have a habit of being prepared and reliable. What are the different genres of law and what type of people fit into each genre? Yeah, I, I think there, there's a lot of different paths you can take if, if you decide that you want to do a legal career. I mean, there's a lot of people sort of have in their mind the law and order uh, show that, uh, you know, and, and the, the being in court and, and, you know, the criminal trials. Criminal law is, 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 you know, one area that you can go into. You can be a prosecutor. You know, you could be a criminal defense attorney. On the civil side, you know, doing more business law stuff that I do, there, there are transactional attorneys that negotiate contracts, leases, mergers, acquisitions, all of the sort of, of corporate, the corporate world of, of you know, reducing uh, deals to, to writing and contracts to writing. And then there are the litigators who, you know, when something goes bad or there's a dispute, there's a dispute between partners, there's an employee that feels they weren't paid properly or you know, was discriminated against in some way, sexually harassed. That's, those are the, some of the areas that I work in. I also do some environmental law. You know, we handle once there, a dispute has arisen and a lawsuit has been filed, that's not a criminal lawsuit. I'm on the defense side and I, I defend mostly corporations, but corporations and individuals who have been sued uh, for employment law issues. Or as I said, I'm, I'm now about half of my practice is, is doing environmental law. So I, those are, are mostly federal circular cases where there's a soil or groundwater contamination problem. It may be a legacy issue from a company that was there 30 years ago that through their operations somehow, you know, put something into the ground that, that's now a problem that needs to be remediated. Those are the types of cases that I work on day in and day out now. Right. So for all those types of lawyers, they all need communication skills and communication experience, even if they're not litigating you're communicating with clients, trying to figure out what they want. Core to that, 
it's your interpersonal skills you talked about is listening. You've got to become a good listener. You've got to practice. If you're in college, still take some a communication class or a listening class. If you're outside of college, listen to a podcast, go research um, better listening. You need to have the communication skills, the communication experience, the interpersonal skills, the listening skills, the hard work and the prep. Everybody needs that in the law profession. Once you're in there trying to figure out, do I want criminal, civil, transaction, business, litigator? The litigators are going to lean more towards the influencing side. If you've taken the DIS test, it's for one of the first 10 episodes. The I side and the D side, they're going to be great at communicating, arguing their cases, influencing, convincing. That's a small portion. That's what Sage does. That's a small portion of lawyers. Most lawyers are going to be more on the transactional negotiation. Uh, side of the the spectrum, and they're going to need to be a little bit more detail oriented, a little bit more perfect in their speech, perfect in their writing, a little bit more on the C side of the scale. If you're looking at a dis test, is that right? Yeah, I think that's right, and I think even within you know, if you if you kind of broke it down even further, even amongst those that are litigators, it's a very few subset of us once, you know, you get to the point in the career that I'm at that are the actual trial lawyers, the people that, you know, when a case doesn't get resolved, I mean, you know, I, most of the cases that I work on, over 90% of the cases that I work on, probably 95% of the cases that I work on end up resolving before they go to trial. And absolutely. Okay. So again, the listening skills, what sort of practice do you want to have then? And what do you want to do in your early 20s to prepare for that? Well, again, I, you know, I think being able to listen uh, to others, to understand at its heart what I do, people come to me and I'm a problem solver. I, they've got a legal issue that they need uh, help with. And pretty early on, you know, I have to, again, I have to be a good listener. I have to understand what, what they hope to achieve as an outcome in the lawsuit. You know, are they really trying to get, you know, the best result they can? Are they trying to exact their pound of flesh against someone that they really can't stand and, and want to have their day in court? Whatever it is, I have to make sure that I have a pretty clear un, you know, understanding at the outset what they're hoping to achieve by hiring me. But, you know, then I have to be really effective at communicating first and foremost with my client and setting their expectations as to what a likely or an achievable outcome might be and, and what maybe what their their preconceived notion of what a a win or you know a a uh, successful outcome you know to the lawsuit managing their expectations as to well you know how likely is it that we're actually going to achieve that how much money are you going to spend to get there you know one of the things that i always tell anyone that i as a you know one of my first conversations with any client is if you can avoid being in a lawsuit you should because it's it's a messy process it's an unpredictable process it's a very expensive process. And if you want to go and, and have your day in court and roll the dice, you know, at the end of the day, it, you know, you have to understand that there are 12 licensed drivers sitting in that jury box that are going to hold your life in their hands. And you, you do your best to get the right people in there, you know, and, and you hope that, that you're reaching them and that they're going to really understand your side of the story and want to side with you. It's a roll of dice every time. So if you can avoid Having a case go to verdict with that kind of un unpredictability and stress, you should. You should resolve it short of trial if you can. You know, that's really what I try to. No, go ahead, finish. That's what you try. Yeah. So I, you know, again, I, I going back to trying to be an effective communicator is first and foremost with my clients. But, you know, beyond that, you know, if I have to be an effective negotiator with the other side, I have to develop a good working relationship with opposing counsel. I have to be ethical in the way that I deal with them. They have to understand, again, going back to doing what I say I'm going to do. If 
you know, I asked for an extension to, to respond to some discovery that they've sent me that, you know, offering them the same professional courtesy back, not playing games with them. That's a, another, you know, real skill. And then with the court, you really got to present yourself as a professional at all times. And, and court has got to, you know, when you stand up and, and you make your appearance in court for your client, they got to know that what you're telling them is, you know, first and foremost, the truth that you're not there trying to, to BS them anyway, because the, these judges are savvy and they're going to see right through that. So um, how much of the law profession is sales skills, either dealing with clients, convincing them, no, you don't need your pound of flesh. You're going to waste a bunch of money. This is a dumb idea. Selling them on a different recourse, negotiating with the other side or litigation is a lot of sales skills to the jury or to the judge. How much of being a lawyer outside of the courtroom comes down to those communication sales skills, ability to influence versus drawing up good contracts that are clear and detail oriented? Yeah, I think you're right, Matt. I, I mean, I ultimately, it's a sale. You know, if, if you're going to get a favorable verdict, if you're going to take something all the way to trial, you got to sell it. And it's, it's sale. you know, I think every profession that you may, you may wind up in, you know, if I'm, I'm talking to that 20 year old person, like you may not, you know, think of yourself as a salesman, but everything, any profession that you, you might, you know, find yourself in at the end of the day, you're going to have to, you're going to have to know how to sell yourself first and foremost. But you're going to you're going to have to be able to, to convince other people to, to come away, come around to your way of thinking. And that's closing a deal. Yeah, that's closing a deal. Your way of thinking. You kind of alluded to a little bit of image management, too. You know, if you're going into certain professions, you want to be uh, Instagram famous. Uh, you want to be on a reality TV show. Um, you want to be a tattoo artist. Now, there's certain professions where maybe having a wild image and wild fan base is better. But if you're in law, even more than business, you know, you can different people in business do different things. We see all these different business leaders, but in law, you actually have someone that's literally labeled a judge and you have the first impressions of these 12 licensed drivers. I love that you said that, you know, you, you don't see too many lawyers that have bad reputations um, socially or have these lives that, you know, you're kind of questioning. Am I right there? If someone wants to be a lawyer, they got to clean up their acts like you have, right? You, you're a pillar of the community. Brian Forbath, we had on the show, pillar of the community, right? You want to have that sort of image management and actual true self of who you are, right? Yeah, I absolutely. You know, I, I think you're a professional and, and people come to you, you know, they want to know that they're hiring somebody that acts professionally in every facet of their life, you know, that, that has that integrity. I think you're exactly right, Matt. Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. 
To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com slash podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com slash podcast. Now, back to the show. Okay, so what does it mean to become a partner? How long does it take? What do you have to do? You can go into a business and be lead counsel in a business and be an attorney for a company. You start off as an associate. Eventually, you get to lead counsel. In a law firm, you show up also as an associate, right? And what does it mean to become partner? How do you become partner? And what do partners do? So every firm is different in what we call how long their partnership track is. You know, every firm has defined expectation or parameters as to what somebody has to do to, to, you know, become a partner. Okay. Well, the audience for this show is Gen Z. They want to be a partner within a year. So what firms, what firms, (laughs) what firms have a partnership track that takes 15 minutes and you're instantly making a million dollars a year. Do you have any of those firms? I don't, Matt. I'm sorry. None of those exist. Damn it. Yeah. So wait a second. go Go ahead. I was going to say, you can go out of law school and you can hang up your shingle. And, and if you happen to know a lot of people and you can work for yourself, you know, if, if you're a real go-getter, you, you absolutely can start your own practice from day one out of law school. I don't know too many people that have done that. Yeah. Other than that, it, it's preparation, effort, reliability, give back. Other than that, it's the hard way. So sometimes on this show, we, uh, eliminate the myths of Gen Z. You got to figure out your whole life by the time you're 30. Nope. You're going to retire by the time you're 35. Nope. Even if you have enough money, you're going to keep working. You can't retire by the time you're 35. And oh no, most things require preparation, effort, reliability. You get balance because you earn it. Most of the time people didn't have balance in college and they screwed off. So they got to work a lot in their twenties to kind of catch up. So the partner track, however long it is, what are you doing as a partner? How do you get that role in the business? Well, you know, just using my own experience as a, you know, sort of a, to, I guess. Oh my point, God. It's like, know? I'm talking to a lawyer here. <laughs> oh my God. Everything's so exact. Matt, it was, this is you know, not, this is, it's not an exact podcast. This is a podcast of whatever we say. No one's going to vet it, but go ahead. In every single partnership, it takes what? Uh, it, it, <laughs> it takes a lot of hard work and it takes a lot of time. It took me, you know, it's a seven year partnership track at my firm. So I had actually worked at another firm and had some experience before I came in as a lateral. So I, I came in as in our particular partnership track as a level three, but it took me four or five years of billing a lot of hours, working some, some long hours, working weekends. Oh no. You know, oh no, it's that hard work thing again, that hard work thing again. And and proving to the partners of the firm that I could bring in work, that I was reliable, that I would get good results on the cases that I was working on, that I, I was willing to work those long hours. All those things went into their ultimate decision as a partnership. They voted to, to bring me in. When I started as a partner uh, at my firm, there's a two-tier partnership, or there was at the time where you, you started as a profit-sharing partner where, you know, a full equity partner or a part owner of the firm yet, you had a couple of years where, you know, you had more responsibility, you're running the files on your own as a partner, you were the sort of the, the buck stopped with you on whatever, you know, case that you were working on. And you, you had an opportunity if, if you got some particularly good results, or you brought in, you know, some new work to share the firm's profits. 
once I had done that and worked, you know, again, incredibly hard for, for two more years, then they, they made me an equity partner. And, and what that meant was getting an opportunity to buy in and become a part owner of the firm. Oh no, you had to buy into, they didn't just give it to you. Do you know who my they audience didn't just is? Give it to me. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So um, people are often confused about partnership. One, it takes time and there's a set amount of time in many firms. I've heard five years. I've heard 15 years. There's a huge range. Also, not everybody gets to be a partner. So unfortunately, it goes back to Sage's definition of excellence. How you do one thing is how you do everything. Every case he's prepared, every case he puts an effort, the partners see him as reliable. And a lot of times they don't care about your balance. So you're doing your balance thing on the side, but you're still working weekends. So Sage is waking up at three in the morning on some weekends to get ready for a case that he's got because he knows he's got to go to the soccer game at noon and he knows he's got the birthday party at four and he knows the Saturday afternoon is going to be family time and his Sunday morning is going to be family time. He had to get really good at time management and he had to be patient, take time. And there's a vote. I don't know if you heard that. So you have to be a leader. You have to stand out. You have to sell yourself. You have to actually not sell a peacock's pluff flumes of crap. You have to sell that you're actually getting stuff done, making an impact. And if you heard it, if you're a partner in the law firm, you kind of have a little mini business in the law firm. You're bringing in clients. You're convincing people that they should work in your firm. And maybe they're not going to come in under Sage's umbrella. It might be somebody that has a different case that goes to a different lawyer, but you need to show that you can drum business and that you're more than a, just a great attorney. You're a great attorney that can sell and has some business skills. What would you add to that? Yeah. I, you know, I, I think again, going back to the importance of sales, uh, certainly a law firm is no different. I mean, we are, we're a business and we need to bring in work to survive. We sell billable hours. I mean, that's, that's what we do. That's how we make money. And uh, buy them for half price. I'll buy them for half yeah. price. <laughs> so you know, I, I think I, I think learning how to network with with other people, uh, keeping your ears open when you know you've started to develop an expertise. For me, it was employment law. You know, every company has employees. Every company has employee issues. When I'm meeting with my friends, I, I've always got my ears open about issues that they might be having, and and not being afraid to ask for work. You know, not being afraid to you know put yourself out there and and. I think that's a skill that that I'm certainly still, you know, working on and I think is is something that we're all constantly trying to to sharpen but you 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 know it's close you know getting from an opportunity to a close I think not you know 90% of it is is being willing to to just ask for it to go for it you know I think a lot of people have that meeting and it's going great and and they exchange business cards and okay I'll follow up but you know hey you know I'd love the opportunity I I've really enjoyed talking to you I I'd love the opportunity if if you've ever got a legal problem you know give me a call you know I it, it, this particular problem that you just told me about if you have representation do you have a lawyer if not, I, I'd love the opportunity to talk to you about it. You know, I, it's it's yes, sales is 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 critical. Yeah, you got to get over that fear of asking for the end goal, the job, the case, the piece of business, and you've got to learn those same sales and listening skills to know that you're delivering the right thing. So if you if you want to be a partner in a law firm, you know, waiting tables. If you're in high school, go wait tables. Those are basic sales skills. And look at. Uh, you know, Sage was in different clubs and melded with different groups and learned to relate to different people, which builds your ability to relate to different people professionally. So they want to do business with you later in life. It all adds up, right? You weren't screwing off in high school. You were 
gaining this interesting experience. You weren't screwing off in college. Some of our friends were. Some of our friends didn't even graduate. You were figuring out which path you were going to go on. And you're talking about in, in law profession, there's something for every interest. You know, Sage is in, into the environment. So he's doing a lot of his work in environmental law. Uh, he's in, into business. He's did a lot of work in business law. Some people, you know, they're really into fashion. They might do work in IP law or patent law. And then he's also talking about serendipity. He didn't know that employment law was something he was good at. In fact, and I, I think I heard you right. You're just doing it. You're like, oh, I'm good at this. And I kind of like it. Your unique abilities, you stumble across them and you, you kind of brushed over it. You said you were aware. How do you become aware of where your strengths might be and which of the different variations of the law profession to dive down? It just trial and error. Yeah, I, I think it is trial and error. I, I you know, I, I, I kind of fell into employment organically. I mean, it was, I, I got an opportunity on a couple of cases. I found that I really liked it. I was dealing, you know, directly with, with the employers and, and every new case is pretty interesting. I mean, you know, I, I could tell you a million war stories about sexual harassment cases that I've handled that. I mean, they're, they're fun. I mean, it's a fun fact pattern, you know, to, to deal with, with some of the, the, the trouble that people get themselves in, you know, at, at work. And I just found that I enjoyed it. And then I kind of dug in and, I joined the the employment law section of the Orange County Bar Association, and they have you know monthly meetings where you, you'd go to lunch and you'd meet other people and and you'd kind of stay abreast of you know all the employment laws constantly changing in California. I mean, there's there's new wage and hour laws. There's new you know you have to stay abreast of all of that. And it was it was just again willing to roll up my sleeves and do the hard work to you know sort of make that okay. This is something that I recognize that that everybody has a need for. How do I become good at this? The law firm Sage works at and is a partner at is Wallsworth WFBM Law Group. If you want to get a hold of Sage, you probably just email him snoft at wfbm.com. You can send him a message, see if he's got any jobs or any advice for your law career. But I want to get back to you know more of the skills. And it's just interesting. And I, I think this is my 90th episode. Everybody in some way talks about working hard. People talk about integrity, reliability. A lot of times people come to the uh, life balance piece. You mentioned give back. And I know you're a writer and you mentioned uh, the organization that you belong to. Have you got yourself? Wh why do you write and what do you do at that organization that's a give back? And how has that helped you with your preparation? Because everything you just said to me sounds like you're preparing to be ahead of the game for the next case that comes around. How does the give back wrap around and help you with your preparation and the writing that you do? Well, I, I don't know that I would tie it directly to the I mean, when I was talking about giving back, you know, for me, the writing that I do, and I, I think you're referencing on my bio the, the you know, the articles that I write and, and um, yeah, because I've, I've known you for 30 yeah. years and I had no idea you wrote articles. So I did look it up in your bio today. Well, that's I think that's really more of of to the marketing piece and to the sales piece. It, it's it's becoming a thought leader. It's becoming a uh, somebody, you know, in, in that, you know, particular sub specialty of, of, of business litigation, employment litigation, somebody that, you know, writes articles that get published that, that you can put on a bio and it, it enhance your street cred, you know, by, by saying, yeah, I, I actually write about this, but, you know, back to your question about giving back, you know, I, I think really what I was, what I was referencing there was professionally, you know, one of your questions on the list that you gave me before we sat down was, what are things that I have done or that 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 I've experienced that have made me particularly successful in in my career? And as a lawyer, 
one of the things that came to me that I wanted to share with you today is finding a mentor early on. I was very blessed and lucky enough to have, you know, two incredible older lawyers that, you know, are, are now retired that, that worked at my firm that I got the opportunity to work on cases with. And I just became a sponge and did everything that I could to learn from these guys. And now, you know, giving back, it's passing that on to, to younger lawyers, Gen Z lawyers that are working for me you know, and, and, and becoming that mentor and, and showing, giving back the time that was given to me that helped me to succeed. And I was also, of course, referencing, you know, just giving back to your community and being charitable, being a good person, you know, and, and, you know, you said, it's not only, you know, writing a check or giving money, but giving of your time. I think that to me, going back to the, what we're talking about here, you know, what makes somebody excellent. I think that's a really important part of it. Yeah, living your values, right? And as you're talking, I keep thinking, God, I need to do business with Sage. I need to do business with Sage. That's what you want. When you're in your profession and people know that you're prepared, you have effort, you're reliable, they're cool with your values. They see the balance, which I like values. They know your contribution. They want to do business with you, whether you're a photographer or a marketing person or an engineer or a lawyer. And the mentorship thing kind of wraps up some of the things you're saying. It's easy to go through life and not notice the mentors. It takes effort and awareness to notice that there's someone that you could um, learn from. You didn't know which path you were going to go on. You were focused on a path. Could have been other lawyers doing other specialties, but they were these and you went down that path. And then that constant desire to learn and grow And in any profession, you need to have all those things to get to the pinnacle of success. And I think you know, pinnacle of success is, you know, in law, it's being a partner at a, at a respected firm, right? That's where you want to get to or being the lead counsel in a, in a respected business. And it takes, it, it doesn't happen when you're 20 and then end when you're 30 and you retire, you don't retire. You keep going and you keep working on balance and you keep learning to be a better community person. And then you pass it on to the next generation. What do you get out of doing that? That's basically what I do for a living. I love it. What do you get? And what would you tell a mentee? Because a lot of times they're focused on what you're going to give them. What would you tell a mentee on how to show gratitude and some of the things that you've gotten out of it that maybe your mentees don't know? You know, I think professionally, I, from a selfish aspect, I get somebody that I know is going to be, you know, willing to go the extra mile for me. And if I'm putting in that time that I, you know, is not billable time, you know, helping them to polish their writing or explaining to them how it's, it's so important to develop a relationship with this particular client or this particular insurance adjuster that has the opportunity or the ability to send you a lot more work. That's going to benefit me because, you know, this is somebody that's on my team that's working on my cases that I know I can trust and, and is going to continue to do even better and better work for me. As far as what I would tell a mentee, you know, I think just the importance of thanking a mentor for, you know, taking the time to to do that, that goes a long way. I mean, just a, a simple thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. And, and this was, you know, I'm really going to try to put this into practice. This is really, you know, really valuable. I, you know, I, I, I learned a lot from our talk today. I don't know. I don't certainly, I certainly don't expect anything beyond that. I hope that a friendship would develop, uh, you know, going back to the, to the two mentors that, that I had, you know, I genuinely say that they're, they're two of my closest friends now and, and their point in their life where their kids are already through college. I just turned 50. My, you know, my kids are, my oldest kid is just applying for college, but their kids are through college. And, and for my, my mentor, Ferdy's, you know, 60th birthday, you know, God, that was 12, 13 years ago. 
I bought him a, a package for one of those Mario Andretti, you know, race car schools and, and took him out to the Fontaine racetrack. And we, we drove Indy cars for an afternoon, you know, and that was a, an experience that I still cherish today. And it was, it wasn't something that I, you know, that I had to do for my mentor, but it was something that, you know, I, I wanted to do because I genuinely liked hanging out with him. And I, you know, I thought it would be a, a fun experience. We talked about liking to drive fast cars and I'd never been on a racetrack and we went out and we did it together. It was great. You know, I'm so I think just for me, developing that friendship, something that that really goes much deeper than just getting help in, with work. And friendships are two ways. So being attentive, yeah, and back to your stuff, putting in effort and being prepared and reliable in the meetings, but being attentive to the other side and not just taking, but giving. And I think it thanks. Thanks is a lot nowadays. And you know when you've impacted someone's life and you don't often hear back from them and you know, I always think about the people that impacted my life. Gosh, I hope that they knew as one of them passed away. I think they know. I know. I know the kids whose lives I've impacted, especially the ones that are friends with my my kids. You don't need a thanks. But there's one person, this person named Ariana that I did a internship for who's who's not a great friend of my son's went to the same school. She sends an update every December to myself and four other people that I introduced her to of what's going on in her life. She went to Berkeley, she's moving into engineering. And she sent one saying, yeah, and this summer I'm going to be looking for an engineering internship. And I just thought, oh, I, I love her so much. I wonder if she knows Darren has an engineering firm who's, you know, one of my buddies and introduced her to Darren or reintroduced her to Darren. And it just kept it top of mind. So I know people are, we're giving Palm down. Sage is a nice guy. He's helping out. He's not looking for anything in return. There may be some side benefits. You're just looking for some help. Your mentor is not looking for anything in return. This is what makes the world go around. We just do favors for each other. But it's nice if you get a little win because you send a thank you card and you're top of mind for your mentor. It's nice if you say thank you to that mentor because they don't get it a lot. Yeah, that was a great story, Matt. I, again, I, you know, I'm sure she didn't expect anything in return from setting that card other than, Hey, I'd really just appreciated what you did for me. And I wanted to sort of let you, and, and you, I'm sure were you know, get, get a high off of, of seeing, you know, the success that somebody that you've given that time to and, and watching them go out in the world and blossom and become their own star, uh, their own excellent person. And then, you know, the serendipity of, again, a, a good deed comes back to you by just by doing that. She wasn't expecting you to, to, you know, hook her up with an engineering person, but you know, I mean, Look, she, you know, so yeah, that, that was a great, great example of that. Yes. And it, it comes back to that awareness. So I have two more questions for you. And I know you got to get back to billable hours and I appreciate you taking away some of your busy time out of your busy schedule today. I love the question. When you think back to early in life, you made a sacrifice for me. I didn't go to Spain with my family. I stayed and did this internship, this dumb painting internship that ended up changing my life forever. What sacrifice did you make? back in time that you look back on, you think, wow, I'm so glad I did that, even though I thought I was sacrificing at the time. Oh, man, that's. Don't, don't say living with me <laughs> on Doplaya. That was not a sacrifice. That was the greatest year of your life. <laughs> that that, that was that was a good year, Matt. Um, yeah, I think it would, you know, time with my kids early on. One of the things that I, I don't want to get off on a tangent, but, you know, this this whole COVID world upside down thing that we've had the last couple of years that the biggest benefit of that has been having to work from home. But the time that I gained with my children, you know, going into an office, you know, billing those long hours for all of those years. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, you know, time that you, that you miss that I certainly, again, I, I try to be a great dad and I'm a very uh, present dad and I go to all of my kids games and, you know, I, I'm, 
I get all the, the highlights, but it's those little things that I get now picking my kid up from school, hearing about their day. Somebody once told me that life is lived, you know, in those, in those moments on the margins. I didn't get a lot of that. You know, I was in an office sometimes 10, 12 hours, you know, a day, and I missed a lot of that, but it's something that I'm happy that I did. And, and I've managed to find that balance now. Again, that was sort of this, this, um, unexpected uh, blessing that, that came from this whole, you know, crazy COVID shutdown. Yeah. And, and so a lot of people are going to have to make some of those sacrifices, but if you manage your time well and you communicate well, which, you know, Sage has talked a lot about communication, you can figure out which things to not miss. And you can also explain, Hey, here's what I have to do. And looking back now, you're very balanced. Now, everybody has to go through this period of time where they're out of balance to get their career launched. Right. And uh, if you pay attention to it, right, I mean, I know I know Sage's kids, so I know that they, they had plenty of time. If you play your communication cards right, you play your listening skills right, you can get through that and have your career and your family, too. Uh, well, Sage, are you surprised by where you're at? Are you surprised that you became a partner in a law firm and that you're writing and uh, helping the environment the way you are? Or did you kind of expect it? I wouldn't say that I'm I'm surprised. You know, I, I knew again that if I if I worked hard and and I did well and I got good results and I treated people with respect and and I, I listened to my clients and and I delivered for them, that I was going to find success. I don't know that I you know my my day to day you know what I do as a litigator is exactly what I envisioned, but it, it I certainly you know like I am not somebody that you know, you know, is, is the Perry Mason that's in trial every day. I mean, that's just not what I do, you know, but I, I, I get to go to trial sometimes, you know, and I, I certainly have a lot of arbitrations and mediations and, and resolve cases and, and, you know, get things done for, get really good results for my clients. But I'm not the, uh, the trial dog that maybe I thought I might be when I first started this career, but I'm, I'm very happy with, you know, I've been with my firm. I think it's kind of unusual, but I've been with my firm for 21 years now. It's nice to to be an owner at a place where you like the people that you work with and you feel like you're making a difference in, in your clients' lives. You have uh, that awareness and that serendipity that you led your life with um, that, you know, you end up sometimes where you're supposed to end up and being paramates in front of the courtroom 24 hours a day probably wasn't your calling because you need to do that convincing clients to not go to court and you need to do some of those things that you already do. And, you know, you had faith in yourself because of the interpersonal skills you developed in high school because your ability to move around all these social groups, been the extra mile, you kind of knew it. I'll tell you, I've known Sage for a long, long, long time. And anyone that knows Sage would say he definitely deserves all the success that he has. And none of us are surprised. None of us are surprised where he ended up because we remember him back in the day, always diligent, always focused, but still having a good time. We still had a good time. Sage, thank you very much for taking time. Thank you for coming on the Edge of Excellence. Matt, thanks so much for having me. I think this is a great thing that you're doing, and I really love being a part of it. So thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. 
To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.